Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take, you know, I'm just looking at an article in the Belfast Telegraph from way back in 2008, July 10th, 2008. And the headline is Portadown Orange Men, We Haven't Gone Away, You Know. And it says, on the eve of Drumcree 14, Portadown's district orange master has revealed why he and his fellow officers agreed to meet Sinn Féin's Gerry Adams to discuss the controversial parades issue. It wasn't our idea to meet Gerry Adams, says Daryl Hewitt, a Portadown businessman, told us he could arrange the meeting and suggested it might be a good idea to explain the orange ethos to the Sinn Féin leader. Uh, orange men will be denied from marching down the Nationalist Garvahi Road in Portadown this Sunday for the 11th successive year. The Garvahi Road dispute has been the site of some of the most violent scenes in Northern Ireland as communities clash over the contentious march. Uh, speaking about the meeting with Jerry Adams, Mr Hewitt said the officers discussed the issue and having been given carte blanche some time ago by the rank and file members to talk to whoever we felt would benefit the Orange cause, we decided to go ahead. The businessman, undertaker Ian Millen, chaired the meeting with Adams, which included Portadown officers David Jones and Nigel Dawson. You may wonder why I'm reading that out. Well, a book has been written about one of the people referred to there, Ian Millen, and he is on the line. Ian, good morning. Good morning to you. Now, Ivan Little is uh, the man responsible for writing the book, and it's a heck of a read, according to everyone who's been through every uh, last uh, word within it. Uh, Ian, you know, when you look at your part in, I suppose, the history of Northern Ireland, it will be hard to avoid Drum Cree as being one of the, I suppose, festering sores of the Troubles. And when you look back on it, how do you see your role within it as a former member of the Orange Order and a very high-profile businessman? Um, Well, I feel I, you know, I did very little. I, I just, I was brought up in a home where my father always taught me, he said, nothing's worth fighting about. He was born um, in the Republic of Ireland and during the time of the partition and that, for the second time his family had been forced out. And um, he told me nothing was worth fighting about. You were better to talk about it. So on uh, one particular morning when Drum Cree uh, was looming at the very start, I was at the roundabout at the end of the Moy Road where the Catholic Church is, that famous one that appears in all the photos. And um, I rang Dr. Chris Gibson, who was then chairman of the CBI. 
And I said to him, the news is carrying a story that 25% of the gross domestic product of Northern Ireland comes from within five miles of Portadown. Now, I don't know if that statistic's right or wrong, but I said to him, we have to do something. We really have to do something. And that initiated everything that's in the book that Ivan has put in it. And um, um, I, you see, I don't actually see my life as being unusual or exceptional. People are phoning up and telling me. I just see it's the thing I live, you know. Were, were, you, um, were you embarrassed by Drum Cree? <clears throat> no, I can't say I was embarrassed. I, I'll give you a story that's really interesting. Um, Alistair Campbell, who, um, isn't that his name, um, was head of the Parades Commission at the time. No, not Alistair Campbell. No, Alistair, anyway. It, you know, the, the, name, the name has gone from my mind as well. And yeah. I, I, I can't, and it's, oh, I, 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 I can't, I can't for the, I can't for the life of. Uh, he um, invited me for lunch one day. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, Ian. We're listening to you. Sorry, um, I just couldn't hear you there. He invited me for lunch one day and he said, what is it with people in Portadown that Harold Gracie and the Orange Order stand at the top of the hill and want to go down and Brenton McKenna and his friends stand at the bottom and won't let them? And I said to him, Alistair, it's actually a thing called principle. And maybe people in England have lost principles. Now, I don't agree with the necessarily the two sets of principles. But they're still principled people, and you must accept that. And I don't believe he ever accepted that. It was just two different, diametrically opposite principles. During it, you obviously were making moves to try and get the Orange to talk to people that they previously would never have considered talking to. But it was a long way, and excuse the terminology I'm using, a long way down the road before those meetings took place. It, it was year in, year out. Like People right across the island of Ireland were sick of Drum Cree. Yeah, and it's so sad that, isn't it? Because in the last few years, it's been the reverse now, where the Orange want to talk to Brenton McKenna and the residents, and you know, the residents say it's over. If at the start, the I believe that the Orange Order had accepted you know, it wasn't Portadown District, by the way. The guys in Portadown District and the members of the Orange Order were just decent working class people, just like the same as me and the same as the people on the Yavaki Road. If we all got into the one room and sorted it out, it would have been fine. You know, I believe we could have done it. But it was the hierarchy of the Orange Order in Belfast. Oh, don't talk to this one. Don't talk to that one. And Daryl Hewitt was good. Daryl Hewitt led the organisation with the agreement, remember, of all the orange men had poured it down to talk to whoever needed to be talked to and I thought that was a very bold step you know and Harold Gracie before him saw that and just couldn't deliver it with some of the people that were surrounding him at the time but um, you know going to the Dublin government meeting Jerry Adams and then the you know the funniest thing that I have ever seen and the most nerve-wracking was the night that we went to the location in Belfast for the meeting with Daryl and uh, the Orange Order and Jerry Adams. So um, Sinn Féin had organised to open a room for this meeting. And uh, we got to the door and the door was locked. And Daryl Hewitt said to Jerry Adams, he says, Jerry, have you a wee bit of Samtex there that we could put in the lock? And for a moment there was that pregnant pause and I thought, oh please. I'm not and surprised. Everybody burst out, 
Everybody burst out laughing, and Jerry says, no, we've handed it all over. And everybody just burst out laughing, you know, and then a caretaker turned up and let us in. And did you need, did you need almost some of that black humour at that time? Yes. Because, Absolutely. Because that was very dark humour. That, that humour is dark beyond belief. Yes. And remember the, the decent people that died over the head of that. The Michael McGoldricks, the Frankie O'Reilly, uh, the wee Mrs. Um, O'Neill. It was just terrible. Terrible and wrong. And good people like Peter Quinn, you know, who's head of the GAA then, he um, he was the facilitator for the Givaki Road residence, and he was a star man. It was just brilliant. But um, isn't it sad that, you know, we had to go through that? Yeah, there, there will be people, and there will be people shouting at the radio, of course, that we didn't have to go through it, that, you know, people made it happen, it should never have happened, and there's intransigence all round, and they, we should learn lessons from it. We, we did go through it. In particular, the people in that general area went through it, and the, the, the police went through it, uh, as well. The, the media were scourged by it in relation to their, their, their coverage of it. It is one of the, it is without doubt one of the blights on our history when we look back at how neighbours behaved against neighbours in relation to the entire the entire drum cree issue. And I'm not passing any judgment on it. I'm just saying that we look back with shame. I think is is an appropriate word on on drum cree. Yeah. Now <clears throat> let me tell you something. At a, at a at a public meeting in Portadown, I once stood up and said, look. Who has initiated the problem of Drum Cree? Because in my childhood, my father didn't drive. We couldn't have afforded a car. We worked for the railway. But, you know, our Catholic neighbours took us to see the parade. Then the Catholic neighbours in all the farms around where I was, the men who had dairy units, while they were away parading, the Catholic neighbours milked their cows. Where have we gone wrong in this country? You know, why was that acceptance? How did it change? And it was political motivation and subversion of the state that led us there and just divided us completely. I want you to go back to that. I know um, currently lots of Catholic neighbours and Protestant neighbours who help each other at silage and hay and stuff. And that's the way we need to go back. Because if we don't go back, we currently stand with a possibility of bringing another generation up who fight for a patriotic Ireland or, or a Protestant ethos that, you know, we have to defend what we've got. And in the middle of all that, you have paramilitaries on both sides um, who, you know, maybe they've thrown away the sash for cash. And on the other side, they've done the same. They've thrown away a patriotic Ireland for drugs money. But, you know, we need to unite as people because there are bigger problems in the world now than we have here. I can assure you of that. Do you, do you I think, see that every day in my life. Do you think we're in a, a, in a better place now than we were back in the, in the 90s? Because you, you don't sound to me like as if you're convinced that we, we're in a much, much better place today, COVID aside, than where, than where we, we were. I think it's an age-related thing. I think once, um, and it would speak to people, they call themselves combatants. I don't like that word because, um, you know, it sometimes grates on me. But combatants, as they call themselves, would say to me that, um, you know, they see now that was it worth 
the pain. You know, a lot of people in the IRA have said, was it worth the pain? I wonder, was it worth the pain of giving up my um, my 18 years to 25 years, whatever it was, uh, thinking that it was going to do some good? I was only a drop in the ocean. You know, I, I believed in the heart I could help, just the way that people on the Republican side probably thought uh, that... Um, after those houses were burnt in Bombay Street in Belfast, that they had to form some sort of civil yard or whatever. What did we all do it for? It seems a complete waste now. People have wasted their lives. Good people like Billy Savage and Peter Shepard and people like that that I knew, Alec Bell, are dead because they tried to help society. And yet, sadly, half of society here said, oh, they're... They're the opposition. Whenever in my section in the police, yeah, this, but this is a reference. This is important for people who aren't familiar with the reference you're making to this. You're, you're now giving us a commentary on your time as a serving police officer. Yeah. So my section, I never saw bitterness towards any side. I saw the difficulty arising in both camps. You know, where we were out every day trying to stop terrorism. Just it didn't matter where it was from. And in my section, there were a couple of guys who were Catholics, and they were so um, alienated in their communities. It was shocking. I mean, in the book it says, there's one guy, I'll not mention his name, loveliest fella, and we took him home one Christmas day, and there was, I think, about five or six of us all volunteered, and we lay out in the fields around his house, brought him home, so he could have Christmas dinner with his family. That tells you all you need to know about the state of the country then. It's, it's, it was just a complete disaster for humankind here, you know. It, it, it absolutely was. I'm not going to argue with that at all. There will be people screaming at this radio now that the RUC played their part in that disaster for humankind. Oh, yes, well, there always will be. But the other side of it is, too, you know, that um, there has been a Republican agenda, you know, and I think the Republicans would accept that to vilify the RUC. Now, in every uh, organization, you'll get bad apples. But, you know, as a terrorist organization, it's... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Is it good or bad? Yes, they had principles. I don't know. I'm just commenting on what I saw. I can't comment on other people's feelings. And if I've hurt your feelings, I'm desperately sorry, but it just... I feel that I need to say that, you know, that the guys that I worked with wanted to sort the problem out. And do you accept, Ian, that collusion existed? Oh, no, there's a big question. It looks very like it, doesn't it? And is that, um, is that hard know, that, for that, a former that, that, police officer to accept? Yeah. Yeah. It's far above my pay grade. I mean, I was only a full-time reserve constable, like so... But, you know, why would you do that in a state? I don't know. I don't know why you would do that. I don't know why you would do that with the knowledge that, you know, a radio presenter would be asking that question 30, 40 years later. You know, why would you do that? I don't know. Look, I tell you, to sum it up, the entire situation that we went through, everybody, it doesn't matter if you're born in the middle of Portadown um, or in the middle of the Falls Road. Um, it was a horrendous time. Now let's rebuild the country that we have and let's work on problems like the health service been overwhelmed, pensions, dental care, the problems with education for, for young people, for particularly young Protestant men, you know. Um, there seems to be a, a dearth of educational willingness there. So let's work on problems that, that affect us all and Yes, the pain of the troubles will live with people until they pass away who were involved in it. But I would appeal to everybody, let's work together to make the country better and to make our lives better, therefore. Your time as a prison officer, how challenging was was that for you? I hated it. That would probably be the end of that statement. I couldn't bear it. I just couldn't bear being locked up. I'm a sort of a free spirit, maybe. I, I just couldn't do it. Did you, fe- did, you did you feel, did you, did, when you say locked up, I, I know obviously you were working behind bars yourself, but did, did you feel for prisoners that you saw? Did you get a sense of life must be a misery for them? I got a sense of one thing, you know, that's really, really important. There were people in there, you know, who had never had the opportunities I had had and didn't take, of course. I mean, that, you know, goes round to my problems in my youth. But, you know, I should have studied younger. You know, I did it a master's, as you know, and says not the book. But I didn't do that till I was 48. And I was thinking, I see young men in the prison who were locked up for all sorts of crimes. And uh, I met one of the Shankill Butchers, who I won't name. And he, um, you know, if he had been born somewhere else, if he'd been born in Nocknamuckley outside Portadown, he mightn't have joined the organisation that he joined, and he mightn't have done the murders. It's a, as a leading Republican said to me one day, it's a, a matter of where you were born, how you turned out. Mm, it's funny, I don't tend to agree with that. I've often heard that argument put, but I, I have friends who grew up in areas where their neighbours literally massacred people. And they never would have done it. I, I, I don't think it's an excuse to say if you were born somewhere else, you wouldn't have done it. There are really 
good people well, who come, and you will agree with this, I'm sure. There are really, really good people who come from the Shankill Road who would never have been Shankill Butchers. And there are really, really good people from Cross McGlen and the Falls Road and, uh, and, and a variety of other places right across, uh, Northern Ireland who would never have done what some of their neighbours did. And, and I, I think that's hugely important to bat back whenever people say, if he had been born somewhere else, he wouldn't have been the person he was. Well, then, are we blaming uh, the majority caregiver? Are we saying that it's the influence of the father or the mother that brought it about? Because if that's the case, we do need to change society. And that leads us on then. We have to educate people together. Because if it's not where you were born, and I mean, I, I was born in, you know, seen as a loyalist area, but, but I didn't want to go out and kill people. So maybe it is then the majority caregiver, as a lot of um, uh, studies have said, that that can influence it. Of, of course, of course, and, we, and Ian, we could, we could discuss this. We could discuss this for the entire for the entire program. Uh, sometimes I argue on behalf of the person who says blame the individual who carried out the atrocity. Uh, I, I think the book passing back to the parents or to the neighbours or to the influences or to the school teachers, people make their own decisions. And if, if, if someone blew me up in the street, I wouldn't be blaming the person who I presumed had sent them. I would be blaming the person who blew me up in the street. Now, the person who had sent them, of course, has to be blamed, but... They didn't stand there when they did it. So therefore, the person who carries out the atrocity has to take responsibility for the atrocity. Maybe, maybe I'm old fashioned in my, in my attitude, but I've always argued that through the, through what we call the troubles. Yeah, I can see that. I can see. And then you have people like Gordon Wilson, who was able to publicly forgive. I know a lot of police widows who have privately forgiven the killers of their loved ones, you know, so I don't know. It's a subject that we could spend all day on. Totally, totally. And and let me say my admiration for Gordon Wilson is equal to yours. I simply mm. don't know how he did what he did. That's that, that's all I will I will say on that. I just admire him so, so much and other other people uh, like him. I, I, Ian, you eventually went to Dublin Castle, because it is a great book. You went to Dublin Castle, and I, I love the story in the book, whereby the caretaker offered to take down the tricolour because he, he reckoned you were so orange. <laughs> well, I laughed. Him and I, you know, he was just a great guy. And I says, indeed, do not take it down. Keep it up. It's the flag of your country. And, um, you know, I'm having problems keeping mine up. And he burst out laughing. And it never, you know, he never, um, he didn't take it down. I, you know, why, why would you do that? I mean, that's the flag of the Republic of Ireland. It's got nothing to do with me being there. It's their state flag. Keep it up. And just remind, remind, only... remind people why you were at Dublin Castle, because this is important. Well, that's a very interesting question because somebody asked me um, from uh, one of the, uh, the figures in Dublin, would I go and explain what it was like, you know, as a, a as a Protestant um, with open views and still having a, an orange background? Would I go and explain that? And you know, people like Jerry Adams were speaking, uh, you know, about the emphasis on a united Ireland and things like that, and other people were there just just like a, a talking shop about feelings in Ireland at the time. 
That's why you were there. A busy man you obviously were throughout your whole life, uh, Ian. Uh, you played that role in bringing Drum Cree to what, you know, a lot of people call an end. And you, of course, uh, were the businessman that I referred to at the very beginning. Uh, undertaking and you you famously used a line somewhere along the way when someone asked you uh the height of sectarianism with you you buried catholics and you said of course i do but only when they're dead yeah well that it was what happened was you know i had i wasn't long opened in uh in the first office in Port Island, and this gentleman walked in unheard of in those days of course and he says is ian millen about there's only me there and i shook hands with him and he says do you bury catholics and i said only if they're dead now, as Tommy Kiernan said, you know, if you had to do it again, you know, Tommy Kiernan, the comedian. But um, I said it and he burst out laughing. He said to me, you're, you're like your Uncle Jack to a T. Now, my Uncle Jack was a district lecturer in the Orange and the Black. And he drove a train along with a counterpart who was um, sort of way the opposite in some of the uh, organizations like the Ancient Order of Hibernians. And Uncle Jack and him were best buddies. Uncle, my Uncle Jack taught dancing in St. Mary's Hall, which would be seen as unbelievable during the Troubles, but before that, you know. And um, so this gentleman's father had come in. But anyway, um, that started a, you know, a thing. Uh, look, can I say something? You see, whenever you die, the pain is the same when somebody loves you. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or orange or green or Jew or Hindu or Sikh, it doesn't matter. Because I had the experience this year, the person that I was closest to, apart from family obviously, in my life, uh, my cousin Paul um, was found dead in his house. His mom's 103, I had to go and tell her. Uh, so I know that pain. And that pain's the same no matter what religion you are. And it's all about funeral directors. We're blessed in Northern Ireland with good funeral directors to help everybody, everybody, and to have through the troubles. Um, and, you know, that's the most important thing, just help the people that are in pain. My big problem at the minute, um, in my mind, is a couple of things. It would be um, the suicide rate. There's something happening in this country with the number of people committing suicide. I had two suicides came in my office recently in one day 22 year old and a 27 year old what's that about it's just terrible now i i know the pain of suicide um it's because of how i was being treated by the bank in the financial crisis and as it says in the book i had it all planned and done and by the grace of god you know my doctor came and, and sorted it out and now it wouldn't enter my head but there are problems like that that are bigger for our communities than the political divide that we have. This is so true. And Ian, also in the book, you talk openly about a very challenging time in your life, the most challenging time of all. And for anyone to have gone through the horror that you went through, it, it's it beyond belief for anyone to be sexually abused. You tell you tell that story to Ivan in the book. Yeah, um, it's a horrendous time. I can't obviously, you know, it isn't, fully uh, illustrated in the book because it's just too um, too explicit. But what I would say is this, that um, when Peter Shepherd, who was a great friend of mine and my son's godfather, was dying in the city hospital, or in the Royal Victoria, rather, um, from uh, a disease um, brought on by a service in the RUC, um, 
he made me promise. He's the only person that knew that once he died, I'd walk into a police station. I walked into a police station outside my area and told him the story. And the first experience, now I have to say, wasn't great. But the next person that dealt with me, who was in the, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the unit, but it's like the child care unit in, um, from Enniskillen, was absolutely outstanding. He knows who he is. He was absolutely outstanding. He listened to my story. He didn't criticise me. It was just a great experience, and I'll tell you why. For 37 years, I carried the pain that I had inside me. And the person, the perpetrator, had the power. But the day I wrote on the piece of paper for that policeman all that had happened, the power base shifted to me, and I was released from my pain. And I would appeal to anybody, go into the police station, talk to them, especially trained officers, go to someone you know is that a minister or a priest, just talk to them. Because it ruined my life until I was in my 40s. That carrying that baggage with me, just get it off your chest. It empowers you and disempowers the person, the perpetrator. So Please you- do that. You're, you're, I can help in any way. I'm there for you. You're, you're glad that you acted on the good advice from your friend, Peter. Absolutely. Couldn't be more glad. It changed my life. You can see the things that happened after that. I did my master's, um, opened a couple more funeral businesses. It just, you know, it's just empowering. I got off my chest the pain that I had held. The little boy, Ian, who was, um, who was abused, um, was set aside and the mature end appeared. That's an amazing uh, way to, to phrase it, Ian. It, it really, really is. Uh, no wonder Ivan Little has seen you as someone worthy of being written about. Uh, just remind us what the book is called and where it's available, Ian. It's by Ivan Little, the distinguished journalist. Um, what, what's it called, Ian? A Matter of Life and Death. Um, I believe it's for sale on Amazon. Um, I know that they're launching it as we speak anyway, but um, uh, it's funny, you know, um, as I said at the start, it's hard to believe that that's what happened to me, if you know what I mean. I, I just lived it as a life. I'm sure other people's lives are more exciting than mine, but um, it's been a, an interesting journey. When Ivan's uh, interviewing you, you know, I never saw Ivan from the time of Drum Cree, but everybody saw Ivan at Drum Cree because you know the height of him. So he was standing head and shoulders above everybody. He was like a periscope. <laughs> he certainly was, and he brought us all those reports. Uh, he did, yeah. For so many nights, year in, uh, year out, Ivan Little on UTV has written this book, and it is about the man with the most amazing life. Uh, not an instantly recognisable name, but my goodness me, Ian, when you read about your involvement in so many different issues, your life has been of immense, immense interest. Appreciate you coming on with me this morning, Ian. Th- thanks, thanks for your time. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. That's the businessman Ian Millen, um, and negotiator in terms of Drum Cree, former member of the police and the prison uh, service, an undertaker, and the subject of Ivan Little's uh, book, A Matter of Life and Death. Um, Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.